Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome to I'm Absolutely Fine, the podcast from the middle that looks at all the glamour and indignity of being a grown-up. Hello everybody, I'm Annabelle and I'm absolutely fine, but I am now so burnt out that I struggle even to do what I do or to be who I am at the moment. I'm, I'm, I'm so tired that my ability to sleep has reduced even further, so I'm you know, deranged with exhaustion. I've got spots, I'm gloomy, and, and I, I can't seem to work out how to, how to take a break. The maths of my life is no longer working, and I know I'm in deficit. I'm, I'm not in denial about that. But I'm just not quite sure how to claw out the space that I need. And that is because I don't understand what I need. So I'm worried about saying, right, okay, I'm now going to take a week. What what am I going to do with that? How I'm going to how am I if I if I if I earn that week, I'm scared to take the time because I'm worried that I'll waste it. Emily, how are you? Well, as usual, I'm going to bring the trivial to this like deep conversation. So I'm absolutely fine. But I realise, having spent two days in your house recently, that I am never going to make proper chicken soup. Okay, (laughs) With me going, I'm just going to check the (laughs) stock every 20 minutes. We've literally done all our work with that. And I'm like, it's fine. I accept this in me. I'm not going to bother with the carcasses and the vegetables and the boiling it down and the straining and all of that stuff is not going to happen. And I'm also um, never going to run a marathon. So those things are relaxing. It's good to know this. But, uh, you know, it's an interesting list that you make in your head that I wonder if I'm ever going to do that. And it's slightly different from a... From a bucket list, right? From a bucket list, Mm. right? And I I wonder if I'm ever going to take part in an orgy. Yes, exactly. Who knows? It could happen. I wonder. Hopefully not. <laughs> yes, exactly. I'm not sure it's on my, I wonder if I'm ever going to do it list, but it could still happen. You think about it. But what got me thinking that sometimes knowing what you want is actually the hardest thing. I do you agree. know what I mean? And, you know, to your point about knowing what you need. So thankfully, we have someone here who can help. Now, we are delighted and to be honest, a little intimidated to welcome to the podcast, Eve Rodsky. Now, Eve is here to help us reclaim time, reclaim energy and reconnect with our creativity with her latest book, Find Your Unicorn Space. No small task, but this is a woman who is undaunted by such things. She is a multitasker slash revolutionary via Harvard Law School and years of organisational management consultancy. Now, her first book, Fair Play, offered a new 21st century solution to an age old problem, 
that of women shouldering two-thirds or more of the unpaid domestic work and childcare for their home and families. Now she's back to change the world again, and this time she's brought unicorns. Hello, Eve. How are you? Thank you so much for having me. What I love about both of you is that one man said to me, you know, you really are, you're really good at going dark to go light. So I feel like what Annabelle and you just did, Emily, is sort of what I'm thinking. Um, I'm absolutely fine, but most of the women in the world are not. So that's what I'm thinking about today. And I'm absolutely fine, but my daughter refuses to wear pants to school. So that's also been something that's been a really big struggle every morning. She does not understand why she can't just wear leotards to school every single day, even though I say, you know, it's just, it's not, it's not feasible. Um, it's hard to explain to her why that's not possible though, right? You're in LA, the sun's shining. She doesn't get it. She does not get it. But um, her school requires pants, guys. So the world requires pants. The world requires pants. And that's classic, isn't it as well? Because, you know, you are sort of identify as a rule breaker. But at the same time, <laughs> the fact that you have to kind of say you have to toe the line and follow the rules at this point, when really what you want to say is tear that shit up, girl, right? Tear, tear that shit up. But also, uh, as we you got, you know, we were talking about a little bit before we got on air, you know, we, we tell girls to tear shit up. And then we tell mothers and women to shut the fuck up and be quiet. <laughs> so um, I often think I gave a commencement speech last year uh, that was called You Only Have 10 Years Left to Live to the 21-year-old uh, women in the audience as a women's co- uh, women-identified college. So anyway, that's dark to go light. We'll just, we'll just say that. Speaking of dark to go light, your book opens with a, with a, with a chilling, chilling question that uh, someone was asked on a date. And, and I, I saw this and my blood ran cold because if someone asked me this question, I'd have an immediate nervous breakdown, which reinforces to me that I'm in trouble. And the question is, what do you do for fun? <laughs> I mean, as Emily was saying, how are we even meant to know what brings us joy at this point? Well, I think that's such a great question. Uh, and it's actually why a book about creativity, Annabelle, became a sequel to a book about uh, men doing more in the home. Uh, it seems like a strange, strange sequel. Uh, but but what was, so ha- what was so interesting to me is that the through line of, of my work, um, you know, it reminds me of Usual Suspects. I don't know if you remember that movie. I'm sort of dating myself. But when like you realize there's a Kaiser Soze and you fit, sort of see it on the wall and you're like, Jesus, you know, has that been there the whole time? That happened to me starting 10 years ago when, as you know from Fair Play, my husband sent me a text that said, I'm surprised you didn't get blueberries. <laughs> uh, and I'm surprised you didn't get blueberries breakdown that subsequently happened in my car with the breast pump and the diaper bag and the passenger seat and the, and the gifts for a newborn baby in the back seat and a client contract in my lap because I had been forced out of the workforce, like all that cliche, the, the stuff that was happening to me. What I realized from then is that that was um, the beginning of understanding that the question, what do you do for fun, uh, our identities, whether or not uh, we stay in the workforce, whether or not we um, are in positions of power, whether we can control our own money. All of these questions end up, like Kaiser Soze, coming down to one word, and that's time. And what I found out was that when you live in a society, whether it's the UK, all, you know, Australia, America, the 17 countries of women I spoke to, where you, we've been trained since birth to give away this most valuable currency of time, 
for free to others. Uh, that's what women do. Uh, being available is who we are, becomes part of our identity. This idea, the permission to be unavailable, to have fun, to have sustained attention for things we love, is actually um, pretty subversive mm. and, and, not, and really frowned upon. I mean, I tell you what I find is that I'm quite bullshy even though I'm also a sort of quivering wreck. So the bullshitness means that I'm able to say that I'm unavailable and, and do more than I should. However, what I don't have is, the, is, is, is freedom within my own head. Right. So, or, you know, what I think what happens is that, is that we carry all this stuff around. Even if you're sitting in a darkened room, your time and your brain is still occupied with all these things. So I love the idea that unicorn space really comes down to, as you say in the book, self-expression. And that's what, you know, we might think that going for a walk is unicorn space or going for a swim is unicorn space. But really, that, that might be a conduit to it. But what we're talking about is ways to be who we really are in the world. Well, again, why this was so important to me was um, after Fair Play and uh, when we, we had this huge reception, thousands and thousands of couples and women were coming to me saying, I'm making my home more efficient. I, I'm standing up for my right not to have to do it all, to be it all. But then there was this still a void of so many women telling me about this passion gap in their life that because for so long they had put stock in being a parent and or a partner and or a professional, that this idea that there's anything else out there for them was almost like the mythical equine. It's why it became called unicorn space. It didn't exist. It can be beautiful and magical, but if it doesn't exist, what's the point? I mean, don't tell my daughter yes. that, right? <laughs> so uh, the idea of bringing a unicorn to life, the idea of taking up space, uh, the way Virginia Woolf said that, you know, a woman can never be Shakespeare because she doesn't have a room of one's own. And she meant that physically because in the pandemic, a lot of women did not have rooms of one's own. I heard many stories of women working in a bathtub with a kid on their lap and a laptop while men were taking up the good space. But also, like you said, Annabelle, it's the metaphorical. What happens when our brain can't shut off because not only are we conditioned to be available to others, but then when we decide, like you said, to go you know, big and say, I'm taking this time for myself, guilt and shame just roll right in where we get all these, I should be doing something else. And so it becomes a little good old fashioned burnout, right? Or burnout. And so that's, I think that's exactly the point. What you said about a unicorn space, what I found was that when women said to me, I have a passion gap, I wouldn't even know what to do at that time. This book looks at what you could do at that time. It says to you, burnout is not going to be solved from a, a drink with a friend. That's self-care. Or that's friendships. It's not going to be solved from a walk around or the block. Or alcohol abuse. Or at, right. how far it goes. <laughs> right. Or doom scrolling or emotional eating, um, which is was my, my favorite thing to do during the pandemic. It's why I had to buy a whole new wardrobe this week. Um, but, but basically, the idea is that the only way to solve burnout at this stage, after what we just went through, is to be interested in our own lives. Interesting. I know, I literally, that's just totally, having read your book, that still completely floored me. I know it's so, it's that real, like, moment where you realise, you know, that 
you are just so tick boxy in your life. And it's almost like sometimes you, you do things ahead of yourself just because you think it's going to give you extra time. But of course it doesn't, does it? It just feels like a, like one of those like creepy, <laughs> like, you know, sort of slimy things that just fills the space that needs to. So you actually have to be like quite strict and, and, and you have to be quite brutal with yourself and with the people that you love that are taking up your space. I mean, I love the fact that you burnt on a piece of paper, guilt and shame. You were like, okay, I am riven with guilt and shame. I do not want to be, I am actually literally gonna burn the fuck out of it. And you wrote it on a piece of paper and you took it outside and you set light to it. And there you were burning your guilt and shame. Well, mm. what's so interesting was, yes, because what I heard from Fair Play was two things that scared me, which was um, in my word cloud from my research assistant, the two words that kept bubbling up to the top in 17 countries interviewing women, about uh, their unpaid labor was two words, they felt overwhelmed and bored. And to me, that felt like such a deadly combination. I kept seeing those two words together and say, how is this happening together? And I, but I understood it. I often yeah. feel super overwhelmed in, like you said, the ticking off of the boxes. Um, I saw one meme that said, I've just got to get through this week. I've been saying that for 10, you know, for 10 years. You know, so. <laughs> yeah, okay. Well, yes, it's, 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 there's one that says, I've just got to get through this week. And then it's only another week before I have to get through the next week. You know, it's just, it's, <laughs> it's right. a never ending cycle. It's like, you think when you say, okay, um, it's 11 o'clock at night. I'll unload the dishwasher tonight to look after my future self. So I don't have to do it in the morning that you're giving yourself something and you're not. You're not that you like I said that the math doesn't really work and and there's some an interesting um quote in your book from someone that says that one of the predicaments that we face is when we without meaning to or wanting to somehow identify with this martyr role, then our power our perceived power is paradoxically in our smallness in making everything that we do micro and not being able to do anything meaningful for us well that's such a beautiful thank you for and i I love when I get to be interviewed by people who actually read the book. So that's so fun. <laughs> but yeah, what, the martyr is um, a really interesting one for me because that one was a big trigger point for me. Um, if you think back to the time, right, why, why, why it's so important to, to have this boundary, a true boundary is being interested in your own life. And like you said, Emily, you have to be really brutal with protecting that boundary What's, what's sad, what's the hardest thing for me is when women breach their own boundary. So what I mean by that is society is already bad enough. We, uh, if women enter a male profession, salaries automatically go down. So we know that in the, you know, in, in the work world, we're, we're hearing our time is not valuable. We say things to women like breastfeeding is free when it's really an 1800 hour a year job. Um, <laughs> 18 million hours uh, yeah, a yeah, day really it is. job. <laughs> Actually, it's, it's 1800 hours a year, like that back. But the hardest part to what you're getting at um, about that slime ball that's just, you know, that can sort of eke out all of our, of our time is when women start to do it to themselves. So I'll ask your listeners and you, if you've ever said any of these things to yourself, because I'll tell you, this all goes back, this is my long answer to go back to what we were saying earlier about guilt and shame and how we've convinced ourselves to be small. So we convince ourselves to be small in four ways. By either saying, I do more unpaid labor, things that are invisible, 
because my partner makes more money than me, my job is more flexible. That's one. That's a way to make ourselves small. Number two is to say, I do unpaid labor. I'm the martyr. I have to do all this stuff, the overwhelm and boredom because I'm a better multitasker. I'm wired differently for care. Uh, the third way we make ourselves small is we say to ourselves, well, in the time it takes me to tell him, her, they, what to do, I should do it myself. And the fourth is, oh yeah, we're both colorectal surgeons, but my partner is better at focusing on one task at a time and I can find the time. I can find the time. I can. So if you've ever said any one of those four, that is a way to, for society to make you small. For me, it was the, I'm a better multitasker. I took pride and noticing and seeing things as a product of a single mother, I'm on it. And then I went to a neuroscientist's office when I said to him, is my brain different? Am I a better multitasker, you know, for my brain, Mr. Neuroscientist? And the man just looked at me like strange. And he said, do you mean like biologically from science or culturally? <laughs> and I said, no, well, duh, I'm here talking to you because I, I want the science. And he's like, no, there's no gendered difference in the brain for how brains multitask. But imagine we men could convince you women, Eve, that you're better at wiping asses and doing dishes. How great for my free time and my tenure. I don't even have to ask you to do it. You volunteer. And that I yes. started crying. I started to cry in his office. It was a really, so I became the trope of just like the blonde woman Breaking down in a scientist's <laughs> office, you know, just crying and crying. Um, but those are the things that I think about a lot about making ourselves small. How do we get conditioned to repeat what uh, what the patriarchy wants us to say? I think even for single mothers, single women without children, actually, and men too, there is a problem with finding a way to express ourselves and to be in the world and to have, you know, to be meaningful to ourselves. And I think that there's some important stuff in your book around that as well, even if you take uh, sex and gender out of it. And I think there's so much, you know, vernacular now around find your joy and, 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 and you know, unleash your creativity that that can become white noise and it can become intimidating. So I like it when you reframe the idea of creativity, if that feels, you know, too sort of far gone as curiosity. Yes. Well, let's do that because um, the program is for everybody. As you said, um, there's the ideal worker structure for men, 100% is not working. And in fact, the people that are most burned out in the data are, are single women from 18 to 30 right now um, because they do all that unpaid labor we just talked about, but in the workplace. Yes. I mean, most of those women I know have got jobs with no boundaries. No boundaries. And then side hustles. And, and, and usually, like, new projects they're trying to get off the ground. I mean, they're asking so much of themselves. Totally. And the world is asking so much of them. And they don't have the sort of, you know, 40 plus... Um, I don't know how to use the word, sort of solidity that develops, that stops you from being bashed around in quite the same way. hundred, that's and what they, I think, yes. And they also don't have, even though obviously us as, you know, working parents know that, that this isn't a get out of jail free car, but they don't have the, I have to leave the office now or the office space or work because I have to look after the kids or my parents or whatever. Yes, and if you so, object to that, then you're a terrible person. Oh, exactly. 100%, you're a terrible person. And that's, I remember talking to this woman, Keisha, who when I was telling her about Unicorn Space, she said to me, Unicorn space, like what the, I have no time for that. Um, I'm expected to be always on. And so for her, it was so fun to have her come back six weeks later to me. And then I followed her over a year. 
But she decided to become unavailable, to assert that permission to be unavailable one day a week. And she just told her team, I'm out of here at five because I take a mixology class. And she became sort of the resident mixologist for her for her team, which I said, you didn't have to do that, you know, that emotional labor. But it, it became this really beautiful thing to her where, you know, that is the curiosity. It doesn't have to be that you have, you know, a paper and a pen and a canvas and you're cutting your ear off. A creative life is actually a really connected life. And that's where the program comes in. So the three C's that Keisha was doing that I saw in all these amazing unicorn space cycles is what a unicorn space is. It's a space for three C's. And sometimes you're focused on C1 or C2 or C3. One is curiosity. Two is connection. To share it with the world is, is the link to mental health and longevity. That's why it can't be, like you said, just that walk or just or the spin class. You need to do those things, of course, for some mental space. But that's not a unicorn space. A unicorn space is an active pursuit that has curiosity in it, some sort of connection, and then a completion point. And so for Keisha, it was saying, I'm going to stay in this class no matter what happens with work. Through the end, I'm going to enroll and stay in the class. Whatever I do with it after, that could be a different unicorn space, or maybe I'll up-level, maybe I'll change what I want to do. But I'm curious about how to make a delicious whiskey sour with all different types of spirits. That's what she wanted to do. Uh, she connected with others, including this awesome man from Bangladesh that, that I guess was the, the mixologist coach. And then she did complete the class and it's done a lot of amazing things for her for up-leveling her creativity. And she actually said, you know, I'm, I think I'm a better worker now, you know, when you can be interested in your own life. I love the fact that she ended up then making drinks for her co-workers on Friday nights, which is both genius in the sense it's like, here is the point of what I'm Ta-da! doing. I'm going to get you guys drunk. <laughs> yes, yes. It's also not the point. Yes, exactly. Right, well, that was, I making the drinks for the people. <laughs> I, said to, I said to Keisha, I was like, you got it 99%. You sort of fumbled, right, yeah. fumbled at the one yard line. This was supposed to be for you. You did not have to bring it back to the workplace. But actually, in a way, she said, look, I really intentionally brought it back. I thought about it. I didn't just do it because I had guilt and shame. And I think that's the beauty of all the stories. As you said earlier, you can get lost in the white noise of live a creative life or I need to be happy. This is not a how to be happy book. There's nothing happy about this book. This book is a book about having appropriate definition of mental health. Yeah, I have to say what I said to Annabelle when I started reading it, I was like, this is so great because it sounds like it's going to be about unicorns and it's actually pure fucking rage. Right, right. <laughs> exactly. and, um, and it's almost like, you know, that meme that goes, which color tampons are we going to buy today? Right, the blue ones. Okay, they've stopped reading. The revolution begins at 8 p.m. Yes! Do you know what I mean? <laughs> it's like, a let's distract everybody from what we're doing. But actually what we're doing is revolutionary because we're free, well, trying to you're trying to free women from you know the idea that their purpose their only purpose is to kind of this is the thing isn't it the path is get to a point where you can you know have children and and then pass the message on and then spend the next sort of 20 years making sure that the younger generation are fine living in health and function and then you know well what are you it's, do? it's having it all and doing it all isn't right. it That's and right. also i think we have to acknowledge that this stuff doesn't happen overnight this is not another stick to beat us selves with in terms of another thing on the list oh my god I've now got to be creative and that just feels like another job holy fuck right. I mean 
so you provide and some, how do you have start time? right how do you have exactly time right you provide some starter kit kind of tools in the book and one thing that um the first thing that emily pointed me at was your was the values mm. exercise That's, i want to hear um, yours which I immediately said, I am not going to do right. this, see, bullshit. But then she was nice to me, so I did. But will you just talk a little bit about what it is and what the point of it is? And then, and then we can talk about, you know, where we ended up. Well, so I'd love to hear what, your, what values you picked. Um, what was really interesting to me is there's so much out there now about goal setting, right? You have to have these big goals. It just felt so intimidating to me. I did not set out to be a gender division of labor specialist, right? That wasn't like a big, very audacious goal. You know, when I was on my third grade board, I think it probably said like astronaut. I don't know. So this idea that we can have like one big passion or a big, hairy, audacious goal, that that it's enough to have kids. Like life is messy. And so what I think is really important um, to what you're saying about these actionable tools, we'll get there because this is why. If you could just know that we're talking about not one big goal and you never revisit it again. The idea that creativity is linked to daily flourishing. If the word of the year in 2021 was Adam Grant's word languishing, what we now know from science, if you don't believe me from a gender perspective, believe me from a scientific perspective that I want you, I gift you daily flourishing. And daily flourishing gets there by these unicorn space experiences. I love it. It's almost an affirmation. I now feel like I want to wake up in the morning and say, today I am flourishing in the mirror. I want to flourish. I intend to flourish. Um, I deserve to It's so to much flourish. more beautiful than thriving. I think, I like the word daily flourishing. I think it's a beautiful, I like all ish words, but yeah, that it's, it feels like. This is an advertisement from BetterHelp Therapy Online. Now you guys know that we're not shy about getting things off our chest. The tiny inconveniences that can ruin our days to the big overwhelming worries that can flood our nights. Trouble is, we all got into the habit of saying, I'm absolutely fine. Emily and I added the but specifically to get off autopilot and give ourselves the space to say what we were really experiencing. But we weren't always so free with our inner furies. A few years ago, I began experiencing debilitating panic attacks because I felt I couldn't tell anyone all the things that I was feeling, that I was not coping, that I felt like a failure. I was so ashamed, so I kept it all bottled inside. And of course, it started leaking out. It was only when I found a therapist and began sharing those doubts and insecurities with her that the panic began to dissipate. Because therapy can be a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, why not give BetterHelp a try? It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a registered therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. With over a thousand therapists in the UK already, BetterHelp can provide access to mental health professionals with a wide variety of expertise. And our listeners get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com slash midalt. That's better. H-E-L-P dot com slash midalt. Better help, because sometimes the best thing to do is acknowledge that we are not, in fact, absolutely fine. Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. Squishy. Um, but the I want to just say something really important about, and then we'll get into some of the daily the the fun you know practices or prompts. 
when I heard this from many mental health specialists, it really crystallized why this is not a how to be happy book. Because the true definition of mental health, and this is important for women, and especially women who have children, who've ever said to your children, I just want you to be happy, child. That's actually not the reframe. What you want to say to your child and to yourself is, I want you to have the appropriate emotion at the appropriate time and the ability and strength to weather it. And that was such an important relief for me that I didn't have to be happy all the time, that I can have appropriate emotions at the appropriate time, and most of them are rage since 2016, (laughs) but that I deserve a fucking umbrella, that I can't drown. And so the idea that I can carve out time for my hip hop dance again or to write my second book, I deserve this time to have an umbrella. I don't need to drown in the rain. It will always rain on us. And happiness can be a clue instead of the end goal. It was so freeing because it's not a constant, always practice. It just says, you know what? I want experiences that can't be taken away from me. And in the beginning, when you were talking about sort of, I can't believe I just did that, I was thinking about the people in unicorn space, when they have a unicorn space experience, they reported back to me, I can't believe I just did that. Yeah. And that's what I gift to everybody here. Daily flourishing linked to something in your life where you get to say, I can't believe I just did that. I bet you both felt that way when you uploaded your first episode of this podcast. This is a unicorn space here. I feel it. You have curiosity for your guests, real curiosity. You're great interviewers. You connect with each other and to guests, and then you complete something, you upload it, even if it's not perfect, even if you're just recording on your phone. So you do this. You protect that. I think, but I think, I think that just, sorry to interrupt you. I think that making a thing is a wonderful feeling. You know, whether it is, you know, I mean, this is, it's a little bit, you know, domestic, whether it's a cake, whether it's a picture, a book, a podcast, and you think, fuck, I made a thing. Yeah. Little like micro legacies where you look at it and you think putting a little bit of who you are out into the world, which is really where you live with this book, isn't it? That's it. it. Well, I love First of all, I've never heard that before. And I'm going to every time I hear something good, I put it on my index notes. So back to curiosity. I think micro legacies is such a beautiful because the last chapter in this book is about what an active legacy is. And an active legacy is the building of these micro legacies, which I think is so beautiful. And absolutely. and, And yes, Crafting has been part of the domestic, and so it's, it's been so devalued. But actually, we now know that thinking with the hands is actually a great way to get out of thinking, as you said earlier, Annabelle, with the brain, when you need that time to, to decompress, to uh, use different active parts of your brain centers. And so for me, it's never been with my hands. I'm not a stitching in needles or crafting, but it is, I do write with a pen. I I hold a pen. And so I will say those making things, whether it's a ham radio technology as one man did all the way to the robotic cakes of this woman, Abigail, in the book, make putting yourself out in the world like that, making something is so beautiful. Thank you for saying that. I started swimming, regular listeners have heard this before, but I've started swimming in Hampstead Ponds, which is outdoor swimming in January. And there's four of us that do it regularly every Saturday morning at 7.30. Now, this is an interesting thing. We've carved out a period of time for ourselves that isn't actually carved out because it's basically a time where nobody needs us 7.30 a.m. Well, nobody's awake. No, exactly. So, but You're still, still dragging yourself out I'm, of bed into yes. the freezing cold. But, and, and I yeah. would say that's slightly got Marta written all over it, Emily, no, but you yes, carry on. Thanks, darling. No, but I was going to say, but we got in, when we first got in, the water was like four degrees, okay, which is 
fucking cold and but and we're in for like a few minutes and then we get out again and we've been doing it every Saturday morning and there's different configurations but I you know for me it spoke lots of things that in your book spoke to that because it was about community the ride on the way is where we talk about things that we wouldn't normally talk about because we don't have time and because we're nervous and adrenalized about the actual water and we come out of the water and we go I can't fucking believe I I just just done that that. I just did it because you know your day can't get any worse (laughs) one your day can't get any worse but you you've drawn a line under the week you've just literally you've you've frozen the fuck out of it it's gone yeah rituals are powerful But that's but Eve, can I drag you back yes, to... Yes, um, yes, sorry. Can, can I, I drag you? Say, can I just say one thing about that unicorn space? It's so powerful because it doesn't take long. You built it into your weekly life and you become a model for the next generation. So I just want to say, keep doing that. Annabelle, Thank sorry. You. Yes, please. Can I drag you back to how to begin and how we look at values and how that can help us to Absolutely. be less intimidated by self-expression? So the way to begin is to really think about which C intimidates you, which C uh, you want to focus on. So Creativity, connection, and... The three are curiosity, connection, curiosity, curiosity, connection, and completion. If you're somebody who says... I have a passion gap. I don't even know what I'm curious about anymore. One of my friends said that to me. I'm, the only thing I'm curious about, Eve, is scrolling my friend's Venmo transactions. So I said, okay, <laughs> great. Um, I didn't know you could do that. And then I started scrolling. I didn't know you could do that either. Yeah. What is that? Does that mean you could look at what they're spending yeah. their money on? So my friends spent oh a lot God, of money on sushi. So they spent a lot of money on sushi. I'll just tell you that. They're a lot of money. Um, and just make your thing private. But anyway, uh, so that that's an aside, but that but that's not the curiosity we're talking about. Um, as Annabelle said, if the C is, I'm not even sure what it is anymore, the return to your values is so powerful. And what I mean by your values is if you're forced to pick obligation or duty or family, that's what I'm talking about. I'll give you those values. Sure, every woman, blah, blah, blah. I'm talking about like what, excites you when you look at that page what things and and I don't know if you did the exercise but I would love if you could tell me um or I'll start with you Emily like what what values I have like my hand yeah, no up please so yeah excited. tell me what that, <laughs> because I'm gonna t- I bet you we'll see that those values end up translating to what you do here and also what you do in that lake okay. so tell me so, what your values are so my values were um giving back They were optimism and the thing that really surprised me that I kept coming back to and I kept thinking, oh, I'm not going to, oh, but, but actually is abundance. Abundance. And I thought that was really interesting because I feel like I'm picking something for my future, not for my future self, but something that I aspire to, aspire to abundance because I feel like one of the things, again, to this martyr and the smallness and the scarcity of fun, of time, of all of those things is what, and what I really want is abundance. And the ones so I valued least were obligation. There Yay. you go. I was like, fuck, I'm sick of obligation. Rule following. I mean, after the pandemic, we are done and grit. And I feel like, you know, again, they all reflect beautifully the idea that we have been hanging on in there with hardly anything, no bloody oxygen, no juice, no nothing, just following the rules and the obligation, ticking the boxes. And really what I want is a kind of rainbow of abundance and optimism and enthusiasm. And I want to share that with everybody and kind of give back in that way. So there we go. Oh my God. I'm excited by it. I'm, I, first of all, you should write that down and you need to tell your kids <laughs> that because it's so beautiful. And also what's so amazing about it is like when you think about even the food we get to eat, like I'm abundant. 
I love to to eat. I love to dance. I like you said. I love to hoard friends. Like abundance is not something you know. We're supposed to like, you know, eat like a little, you know, like a little crumb. And as you said, stay small. And so abundance is such a beautiful word, um, Annabelle. I know. Uh, you you were sort of forced into the exercise, but did you have? Do you remember yes. what you picked? Yes, uh, yes. Emily's Emily's decided. She was saying a, a couple of months. She was saying, I I maybe think this should be my year of saying yes. And I said to her, but you always say yes. That's your problem. And she said, okay, it's going to be my year of making you say yes. And I said, <laughs> I said, good luck with that, sister. But you know, she she does it somehow. She does it. Um, abundance has been playing on my mind a lot. I read Brené Brown's book last year, and it was very much about living in abundance, not living in scarcity, um, and 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 the manifestation of abundance in our lives. So we've talked about that quite a lot. So that was the first thing that just sprang out at me from. And I should say, there's a sort of grid in your book with what what. Do you think 70 yeah maybe 70 it? to 100 values it's something yeah. like that so it's mm-hmm. quite a lot of words and it almost feels like a word search you know where your eyes skim it and whatever throws itself out at you that's what you're going to take so abundance was the first thing that I saw because- I also say about abundance is that I am inspired by Annabelle because I think that she is someone who at least understands in certain areas of her life the abundance so that was what was so great about me falling on that word is that it was also partly inspired by you Annabelle and how you inspire me daily which is great yeah. and how that helps me fly and we move on. Our loving partnership. Um, creativity, I assumed, was a freebie. That's a freebie because I, you have you have to have it. I see, yeah, okay, so yeah, fine. Yeah, so free, creativity's freebie. in there, but freebie. I... Uh, okay, so... But I'm glad good. that that was something that didn't scare you. Because a lot no, of people no, no, don't was, want that freebie. I, no, I, I'm having it. <laughs> okay, good, good. I surprised myself when I put health. Because I thought nothing happens without that, you know, without health. And I don't just mean physical health, although I realized that after the couple of years we had, I want to focus more on 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 all that you know physical health mental health financial health all kinds of social health societal health you know just the just things you know being healthy in in me and around me and then strength you know I want to feel power and then the things I'm not interested in and I've never been interested in, to be honest. These are not things I'm letting go of. Emily's letting go of some of her feelings of duty. These have never... I'm not interested in deservedness, responsibility or practicality. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, same. I'll just say same period. <laughs> I love that. I'm just not interested in the responsibility practicality. Hey, by the way, maybe I should let my daughter go to school on her fucking leotard. Well, after what are they going to pra- do? Right, after that practice. They're going to call you a terrible mother. Right. I mean, you know, who cares? It's a difficult conversation to have with, with a child or with anyone where you say, I want you to be completely free, but, you know, these are the rules, so put on these trousers. We should also translate this because in England, pants are knickers, you right. know, panties, yes. basically. Yes. Yes. So that, that might be different. I know, it's funny because some, I would talk about leaving a garbage bag on a knob and people said, you need to translate that because you're... That's <laughs> <laughs> You're not leaving garbage bags and knobs right here. Um, (laughs) One of the things that really holds us back as we start to move towards the idea that we could do something different with some of our time, some of our brains, some of our personality, some of our talent. I used to think women that did courses were ridiculous. Now I think they're inspiring and genius because they're exploring. But, you know, what plays on my mind is... What if I don't meet my expectations? I'm too old to care what other people think that much. But what if I don't meet my own expectations? That disappointment might be too much to handle. Well, that's why you're a good interviewer, because you're getting us through the C's. So the second C feels really good to people. People understand that there's another pandemic going on of loneliness. 
especially among mothers, where we can be amongst our family and still feel really isolated and really alone and a lot of FOMO for our old life or what other people are doing. It's really hard. It's very isolating. Parenthood is very isolating. So that second sea of connection, I don't really get a lot of pushback. People understand the need to combat loneliness. But I will say, like you said, the curiosity, I don't even know what it'll be. That's why we just did that values exercise because there's so many beautiful ways to focus on abundance and health. I could say to you, continue to do the podcast, invite more health experts on that are outside the traditional realm of health. I could tell you to go on a retreat with Emily that includes holistic wellness, uh, travel and culture, um, because that is abundance in seeing the world. Exactly what I'm trying to do. (laughs) (laughs) Well, see, because knowing your values, I could give you a lot of suggestions for what I think your unicorn space can be. It's so beautiful. You can just start to to, to dream. Um, But the hardest part, I would say, for women like us, women that have more privilege and have been told with that privilege that we could do many things with it, is the last C. Completion is a really hard one. Uh, One woman said to me, and you saw in the book, I've become a graveyard of unfulfilled dreams. Oh, God. It it was... It's painful. It it was a painful thing. Um, And she then sort of made fun of it by saying all she had to do was look at her GoDaddy account of all the uh, domain names. (laughs) The websites. Yeah, she had had, uh, registered over the years. But what I think is really serious about that is back to the meme, uh, let's talk about tampons, actually we're really talking about after overthrowing the patriarchy, is that being loud and wrong is actually not allowed of women. No. It's just God. loud and wrong. You can't be loud and wrong. Well, you Apparently, can only you can be, be loud and right. You can be loud and right. But you or can't quiet be, and you, wrong. Or qu- quiet and wrong. But you cannot be loud and wrong. Like so many of the men that are out there in the world and failing really loud and wrong, including our, my, the ex-U.S. president. But because we can't be loud and wrong, we equate completion with excellence. Yes. And that's just not okay. It's, no, a, it's okay to be loud and wrong. It is it's okay, unless you're on QAnon and, and being wrong with like your facts. I'm not talking about that. I'm saying just just be out there. Be imperfect. Complete something. Do your pottery that has the cracks in it. Because in Japan, they call that more beautiful pottery. It's okay to complete and not make it perfect. It's okay to upload this episode and say, you know what? That wasn't my favorite. But it, just get it out there. Who knows where it's going to lead? And Emily pointed me towards the um, Ada Calhoun oh, quote, yeah. who has also come on the podcast, who says, tell the story of Tell the story of our mistakes. Because actually, you know, doesn't there come a point when perfection becomes so chilly and so boring? You want the human frailty. And the mistakes are where the wisdom is learnt. It's where the funny shit happens. It's where hearts grow and people flourish, really. Oh, absolutely. And I mean that small and big. I was on this really big keynote to this law firm and my eyelash started falling off. And so I was like, <laughs> and I, and I really, and I thought to myself, do I turn off my video for a second, just say, sorry, I had like a technical glitch or do I pull off this eyelash in front of, you know, thousands of people, all these lawyer, this big legal conference. And I decided to pull off my eyelash in front of all the people just so I can have yeah, a so story. But I was like, you know what? Like <laughs> this is, is, if I'm speaking about the lack of perfection, I might as well peel off my eyelash as it's falling off my eye for everybody. <laughs> Exactly, you're in, in it in action. I know, but there's so much. Um, I, I, it was interesting. You remember when you were talking in the book about how you felt about going off for two weeks away from the kids to do your book tour, 
And I, I thought, and so and I'm fessing up to it, I thought, well, it's okay to take two weeks off from your life because you've got a successful book that people want to hear. And so therefore you can say, here is my successful thing. I'm going to take it out to the world. But the idea of taking two weeks off to explore something that you don't, you know, that's the tension, isn't it? Because we're so scared. Exactly what you're saying. Yes, what you're saying really is okay to sort of celebrate the wins. Yeah. But but the experiments are, are you know, have we earned those? Have we, earned have we allowed them? Yeah. those? And we've got to stop that thinking because you're right. You've got to just dare to, I mean, you know, you're, was it your husband who said dare to suck? Dare, dare to suck. suck. Yeah, and he's dare dare to I bet he did. He had, <laughs> <laughs> But I, I mean, I imagine if there was, if there was a suddenly, an, you know, a great wave of creativity and self-expression coming through, not from, you know, from women who are in their 40s, yeah. 50s, 60s, who were educated to believe that they couldn't. And now they're just, just giving it a fucking go. Well, that's Renee. I mean, Renee. I, mean, what that would I wanted like. to shout out Renee. Um, my, one of my favorite stories is just this, you know, of this amazing woman who was a stay-at-home mom there, you know, and she just looked at her four kids as they were getting older and they're like, and she was thinking, you know, you guys don't know me. You know me only in relation to you. And that sucks. I don't want to die like that. And, you know, she's talking about her friends to me that, you know, at their funerals who died young saying like she gave so much of herself. She gave everything to me. And she's like, I don't fucking want that eulogy. <laughs> and so her idea like, okay, well, I have a need for speed. This is a story in, in Find Your Unicorn Space in the book. And she says, you know what? I, I just, I'm sick of being an object at rest. Like, I, I want to move. And she's like, well, I'm curious about moving in a car. I'm curious about what would happen if at 57 I decided to race a car. What I mean, kind of race story. could I go in at 57? Well, maybe it's the Carrera Pan, Pan America in, in Mexico. And, and this woman at 67 now, 10 years later, um, she raises the most money for child trafficking of like one of any nonprofits. Uh, and she... She's in Antarctica right now, racing um, her race car, retrofitted for, for an iceberg. I mean, so that, I think it's never too late. And, and when you hear these stories, she's not exceptional, and she'll tell you that. She's a regular woman from Colorado who said, I'm curious about the need for speed. And I just think that's, that, to me, that's very special. Um, and she's middle class, too. I mean, there's obviously financial privilege there, but we'll acknowledge that, of course. What I think is interesting is the idea of being known and how so many people are only known in relation to other people in their lives, only as an orbiting entity. And in fact, the way to maybe be known to other people and to be known to meet yourself, actually, it's a little bit woo-woo, but to really understand who you are and what you have to offer is to take an, a new path, try something new, try something, whether it's mixology or pottery or the need for speed. I do not have the need for speed. Actually, that's not <laughs> I, true. Can I, I just say, terrible road rage. Uh, yes, can we yes, just I discuss know. the points on your license? Thank you very much. Yes. <laughs> anyway. But I do. Let's not talk about that. I think about, about that. that, you know, the, what would have happened, though, if she didn't, you know, complete that first race? You know, what if she, would she still have considered herself a success if she had become one of those people that crashed and didn't cross that finish line. And, you know, there's one man in the book who found the Titanic. And what he said was actually his whole story about, he, he talks about crossing the finish line sideways. That, you know, whatever your completion point is, and maybe sideways, you know, maybe this is not how you thought your abundance would manifest in this podcast, you know, with Emily, but it's a beautiful manifestation of your values. 
and, and, and it can keep changing. I mean, I think that's what a unicorn space is. It's a cycle of curiosity, connection, and completion. It doesn't have to be the be-all, end-all. If, if you don't want to do watercolors anymore, that's okay. Move on to another unicorn space. Do you know, just to take this into a really different, sort of, you know, sort of less soulful arena, last week we had a really um, uh, brilliant financial specialist on the podcast talking about pensions and, 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 and how to be less scared about money. And she said, just start. Whatever point you are, just start. And I think it's the same with creativity. I think if you can just start, every time you start something is a win. That is 100%. And I think, again, the back to those micro legacies, understanding that if you're triggered, though, by that last C of completion, finishing is important, too. And whatever it is that you want to finish, finish it. If it's writing, just write a haiku. It's just, you know, a haiku. It, one woman said that she wanted to start writing. She was very scared of the prospect of saying she wanted, because people kept saying she needed to be a writer. And I said, well, why can't you just keep it as writing? Why do you have to, why do you have to put it as your identity? Um, yeah. You don't need to be a writer. Um, you know, you're writing. You're a person who writes. And she started to do haiku. Otherwise, you have to be a painter, a well, cook. that's it. I'm not uh, a cook. I'm, not, I, I'm a person who wants to be curious about learning a dish. I'm somebody who may want to go to an art store and pick up some watercolors and paint. But I think when you keep it as a, a verb as opposed to the noun, that active pursuit of a unicorn space is a lot more freeing to me, at least. Because I have lots of unicorn spaces. Today, I want to be a murder mystery. I want to, like, I'm a person who was interested in being curious about how I may write one day a murder mystery. Yes. Okay. That's that's my new unicorn space at the moment. So yes, if you do some murder mystery writing, then one day you may be a murder mystery writer, but you don't have to staple your identity to that experiment. Say that right the second. Yeah. That is exactly right. I'm going to say everything a thousand times. Literally, I feel like I need to go and and, 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 and give myself a really good talking to. Um, (laughs) Eve, thank you so much. Thank you so, so much for coming to see us. You've been a breath of fresh air don't you think oh i mean it's just so inspiring but i also what i love is that you know you give us permission to give ourselves permission do you know what i mean i think that's you know there are permission slips illustrated all the way through your book and it's basically like i give myself permission to do this thing and i think i'm going to take it so let's live life in abundance (laughs) yes and you know you've for micro legacies you can unleash micro hell and everything will be okay So if any of this sounds uh, interesting to you, and I, you know, I, it's very interesting to us, then find your unicorn space by Eve Rodsky. And good luck. And Eve, thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. You've been listening to Annabelle Rifkin and Emily McMeekin of The Midalt. Our book, I'm Absolutely Fine, is out now. If you like what you hear, please rate, review and subscribe. 